Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, whether you're listening live here on YouTube or uh, you are listening later on demand on Podbean, Apple, Google Play, wherever you're listening. Thank you so very much for tuning in and being a part of the show uh, this evening. I want to remind you that you can always head over to our website, which is very simply uh, patchworkheart.org, and you will find all the information about our uh, ministry and what we do in addition to this podcast. But I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Anne DeSantis, as always. Uh, Anne, how are you this evening, and uh, how are things in Philadelphia? Oh, things in Philadelphia are good, and especially <laughs> that it, we're coming closer to April, and I love spring, <laughs> and I'm not that crazy about the cold weather. So, uh, so yeah, I'm pretty happy right now in Philadelphia's very well, too. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, and I know we have a great guest with us tonight, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about her? Yes, we have an amazing guest with us. We have Serena Dykes, and she's the founder and author and speaker of She Found His Grace. I love to read her bio, which is a paragraph, and will tell us so much more about her. Uh, at the age of 13 years old, Serena was raped and faced an unplanned pregnancy, the only option that she was offered to her family was abortion. She was considered one of the hard cases and has met with a lot of misplaced compassion. Abortion never did undo her rape, but only added more trauma. At age 16, she got pregnant again, and this time she chose life in the parking lot of Planned Parenthood. Serena now shares her story of how she found hope, healing, and freedom in her new book called she Found His Grace. She is also the, the founder of She Found His Grace Ministry that helps educate the church on how to meet young women facing unplanned pregnancy with grace and truth and also offers women and men pain to purpose recovery for past abortions and sexual assault. You can visit her website to purpose her book or get more information about being part of the Pain to Purpose group at serenadykeson.com. Let me spell that for those who are listening. Serena is S-E-R-E-N-A, Dykeson, D-Y-K-S-E-N.com. Welcome. And you are an amazing person and an amazing guest for Sewing Hope. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on this evening. It is an honor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is a true honor for us, and and we are a pro-life ministry here at, at the Patchwork Heart Ministry, and I myself am involved in the pro-life movement, and I'm so wonderful to hear your story. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us more. Uh, take us back to the beginning. We'd love to hear. Yeah, so um, as you kind of shared in my bio, um, when I was uh, 13, uh, we were, uh, well, I was sexually assaulted by a relative, and um, our family just walked through a crisis. They didn't, um, you know, they just didn't know 
uh, what to do. They were looking for for help. And, um, you know, just to kind of give you some framework, my mom had walked through her own trauma of sexual abuse. So this just really rocked her world and um, just threw her in um, just a, di- a downward spiral in her her own life. And so she was trying to navigate what to do with her 13-year-old who had just been sexually assaulted, um, the trust of a relative, and now facing an unplanned pregnant pregnancy. And so we went to our family doctor, and the family doctor just suggested abortion. And I remember... Um, that was not a word that I knew at all. I had never heard that word. And my, my mom, she just, she was looking for help. So she agreed that that's something that we would do. And I remember them just planting the lie that the people outside the clinic hated us before we even went to the clinic. And um, I'm a sidewalk counselor now, and I know that's not the truth, but it's when I go out to the sidewalks, it's just a reminder of how to conduct myself out there. Um, Because my mom, if I just remember her just being so angry that people would hate us because she said, you know, they don't understand what we're going through. They have no idea. And so, um, you know, I always tell people that go out to the clinics to be approachable um, because my mom, my mom was looking for someone that was safe and that uh, someone that could help her. And so um, the day that we actually got to the clinic, there was no one out there. And I've often thought how our story might've changed if someone would have been there. And so um, once I was at the clinic, they separated me from my parents as a 13 year old and took me back for what they called counseling. And um, the only thing they said was it was a clump of cells. And um, I had no idea. I thought I was at a doctor's office. I thought I'm there they're here to help me. And so when they asked if I was ready for the abortion, I just said yes. And um, the abortionist, when he came in, he just smiled. He said, this won't take long. And it was the most traumatizing thing that I had ever experienced. I I tell people that it was worse than my sexual assault. And um, when it was time to go, they just um, sent me out the door. I, I had hemorrhaged everywhere and my dad had to carry me out to the car. And um, it, it radically changed our lives forever. And uh, so when I was 16 and I found myself with an unplanned pregnancy, I knew that abortion, I knew what abortion was and I was not going to choose abortion. And so I, my boyfriend, who is now my husband, he asked, what do you think about abortion? And he grew up in the church, but they never talked about abortion. And so um, I shared my story and he said, well, I don't know how we'll figure it out, but we'll figure it out. And so we chose life that day. And um, the church was so kind and helping us. Um, they didn't let us set in our sin, but they threw us a baby shower. They helped us finish school um, by babysitting. And um, they just did all of these things to help us um, succeed in being young parents. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I will say that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and and I said at the beginning, especially for me now, as I'm go once a month to Planned Parenthood to pray uh, in the, in the city, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm outside of the city, but I drive down there and, 
and pray with uh, the, the president of the foundation that I represent, Mickey Kelly, who's been on this show, um, to hear your story and how you turned around from that. You know, you had the abortion at 13 and then at 16, this time around, you said, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. So mm-hmm. what happened after that? You know, you the, the person that you're with now, your husband, you've mm-hmm. been with him all these years. So tell us more about mm-hmm your relationship and what happened after you had that first child? Yeah. So after we had our first um, baby, um, it was like two years later, we ended up having our son and um, we, we had gotten married my junior year of high school. And um, by the time we were 23, we bought our first house and we had two little kids. We were in the church. We thought we were doing great. Mm -hmm. We thought that um, we were overcomers. And a few years after that, I had a miscarriage and it really um, rocked my world. I fell into a deep depression and we just started having marital issues. And it was just really, um, we didn't ever associate the trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. We never connected that. And uh, we just kind of plowed through it. We didn't take the time to grieve. Um, I had never grieved my my uh, aborted baby or my miscarried baby. Um, we just kind of plowed through it. And uh, a few years after that, I um, my ovary ruptured and I almost died. And then by the age of 29, I had a complete hysterectomy and no one ever asked if I had an abortion. And that was not something that I was um, ever going to share. I just wanted to forget what happened that day. And uh, by the time my my kids hit middle school, we were faced with another crisis and it became clear that I had not walked through any of my healing. And uh, my life went sideways. Um, I moved out of our house. I, um, I had planned to file for divorce and um, I just felt very unworthy to be a mother or a mom. Uh, a a mother or a wife, I just felt very unworthy. And um, I was just on a path of self-destruction. I was drinking um, every single day. I was going out all on the weekends. I surrounded myself with people who just let me sit in my mess and um, just, you know, said, well, you have every right to be angry. And they never encouraged me to really um, walk through my healing process. And I don't blame them for that. They just didn't understand. So one night after a heavy night of drinking, um, I started texting people to come get me. And at this point I had burned all my bridges. Um, People didn't find it funny um, when I was uh, texting them at three o'clock in the morning. It just was not funny anymore. And so everybody just told me no that night. And I, um, I got in my car and I began to just weep. And uh, I, I said, God, I said, I have no one but you. And that night, God just met me in my car and he lavished me in a love that I had never felt in my life. And I knew that I needed to go home both spiritually and physically. And by God's grace, I made it home. And um, God was doing a work in my husband's heart. And he... Um, he met me at the door and he welcomed me in and I did not deserve it. I did not deserve it at all. But God was in the middle of writing a beautiful redemption story that we did not even realize. Wow. That's just incredible. Uh, wow. What an amazing journey you have. And um, 
you know, I I think the 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 power of uh, you know God and the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, in, in your life is so is so evident um, by by you know just what you shared right there, you know, most recently about you know uh, going back home both physically and and spiritually and and you know what a great especially what a great metaphor for us in in lent right now too right that you know we we might not deserve it <laughs> we might not deserve um the things that uh we get from god we might not deserve his grace but we he he's standing at the door waiting for us he's just standing at the door waiting for us to come home so so wow i just continue the story but yeah i just wanted to jump in and say you know Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for uh, your witness and and just incredibly, incredibly uh, beautiful and courageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, yeah. So my husband he invites me home and and uh, and I I start my healing process and and I'm going to be honest. Um, my counselor was from my church and I thought if he I can't tell him everything because if I tell him everything, he might go back and tell people in my church. And that was a real um, thing I struggled with. So I never, so I, I just talked about my assault and I found great healing through that process. But once again, not talking about the abortion part of it, because I thought, you know, if people in the church knew that there was abortion in my past, um, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't like um, they wouldn't like the person they would, you know, if they knew the real me and the struggles that I had gone through. Um, so I just kept that hidden. That was a secret that I held on to. And um, uh, I, I, I would go to counseling. It was a struggle, but I, I found some healing in, in going. And, uh, you know, um, my counselor now knows my full story. And, you know, what I know is that I was believing a lie that wasn't true. And um, I know that now I didn't realize that at the time. Um, so I started getting into ministry work and uh, really, uh, you know, just sharing uh, with women. I, I had a heart for women with addictions. You know, that was my heart. And and uh, there was there was this uh, piece in my life that I was still struggling with. And it was a lot of hate and bitterness in my heart and unforgiveness. And uh, one night or one day in my living room, God met me in Lamentations 358. And the Holy Spirit said, um, did I pull you from the pit? And I knew God had pulled me from the pit. And he said, did I take up your case? And that word case just really resonated in my heart because as someone who has gone through sexual assault, um, you know, you go to court. And so that court case. So I knew that the Holy Spirit was just really speaking to me. And um, then I heard the Holy Spirit say, did I redeem your life? And God had redeemed my life, but I was drinking the poison of unforgiveness. And uh, the Lord just asked me to lay that at the foot of the cross. And so I did. And um, it didn't mean that what was done to me was okay. That's not what it did at all. Um, What it meant was that I was drinking a poison that was hurting me. It was killing me, but 
totally not affecting them at all. And I had to, I had to release that. I have, I had to let the Lord deal with that. And I found so much freedom and, and surrendering that. And uh, so I just, um, you know, I was in ministry and just found more freedom. And uh, uh, I had a friend who invited me to see the movie Unplanned, and I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. I had never heard of it. I was just like, oh, it's a Christian movie. I love Christian movies. So I went and uh, I was sitting in that movie and it was like watching my life unfold in front of my eyes. And uh, I just heard the Lord say, now's the time to tell the rest of your story. And I didn't know even who I was going to tell my story to. Um, I reached out to our local Right to Life. And um, my heart was just to go minister to women, try to reach them before they went into the abortion clinic. And uh, they said, well, we have an unlicensed abortion clinic. Why don't you come and get trained for sidewalk counseling? So I did. And uh, when I was at that training, there was a sweet lady that said, have you ever gone through um, abortion healing? And I was one of these ladies that, you know, I had this radical encounter with the Lord. I was doing, you know, very active in my church. And I was like, I I rolled her and I said, I'm good. I'm good. But God had been preparing my heart that um, I couldn't ask other people to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. And so I said, okay, I'll go. And I went to this retreat and God just gave me this beautiful weekend to be able to mourn my um, aborted daughter, Eliana Grace, and our son, Malachi. And my husband got to mourn that. And it was just this beautiful moment in our healing journey. And, um, you know, during, after that, I had gone to the clinic and Um, just God laid it on my heart to do a memorial service for men and women. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I was like, okay, I'll do it. And uh, the night before um, our memorial service is when the news broke that the abortionist that I was taken to had been hoarding 2,411 babies. And uh, that night I just crawled into bed. I was devastated. And one of the first questions I asked the Lord was, what is one of the babies mine? And the Holy Spirit said, your baby and all the babies are with me. Why do you think I asked you to tell the rest of your story? And um, since then, we, I wrote a book, I wrote my story, and we have launched um, She Found His Grace Ministries, which is a global ministry that helps moms choose life and also helps men and women walk through abortion recovery. Oh, that's just amazing. Uh, I love to hear this story because there's such hope, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you started out with a very traumatic childhood, right? You were only 13. You were basically a kid. And you said it was a relative that, you know, impregnated you. And then you had the abortion and then went on to uh, get pregnant again at 16, this time keeping your child and getting married to the the man that you're married to now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a rocky road for, for part of the marriage. But here you are today uh, <laughs> with your kids, with your husband, with this ministry, Tell us more about your family and your children. Yes. So I have two adult children and um, I I say, let me back that up because now I can say I have four children. Um, My tribe is complete. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I couldn't say that for a long time, but my tribe is complete now. So um, I have 
two in heaven and two adult children. Um, I'm a Nana of two little ones and, um, and I have a little grand dog. So um, my family's great. You know, God has just done this uh, redemption story that we're just, you know, we look at our kids, you know, and um, my husband usually ends up bawling when he thinks, you know, to even think that he thought of aborting our, our daughter, you know, he just can't imagine life without her. And, um, you know, that's what we tell people like, you know, um, abortion changes your family tree and, you know, and, and, um, you know, God is in the business of writing a redemption story. You know, we were two 16 year old kids who didn't have a clue and, you know, God had a plan through it all. And so that's our encouragement to everyone. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, you know, God, God can make anything, Anything is possible with God, right? Anything is possible with with God. Uh, nothing is impossible, and um, you know that is testament in your story. That is that is you know so evident in your story, I should say. Uh, but but I want to ask you a little bit about the the you know the sidewalk counseling too, because you know you you did mention you are a sidewalk counselor. You know you help women through this, but in in, in particular, you mentioned earlier that you know. Um, that it was kind of perceived by by you and your mom that when you went in for your abortion as a as a teenager, uh, that that there might have been some misunderstanding or that those people hated you know hated you disliked you, and you know I I I've got to know some wonderful sidewalk counselors out here in Chicago. Um, who who do amazing work? Chicago and M- M- Milwaukee, where I live, they they, they do wonderful work. And um, but, but but I wonder if you have any advice or any um, you know insight into that now now being on the opposite side of that. And just talk to us how you you know what is the approach because because they're because you don't know what situation you know people are coming from, and 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 certainly it it could be something like what you were dealing with, and so. You know, how, how do you approach it? What do you recommend to sidewalk counselors now uh, as somebody who is post-abortive and who is um, really helping uh, women out there today? Mm-hmm. So something that I would recommend is um, I we use the word approachable. We want to be those people that are safe, that um, people can look at you and say, you know what, they are safe people. Um you know, we're not out there raising our voices. We're not out, um, you know, causing a scene. It's just um, a lot of times when I go to the abortion clinic, I will stand at the end of our driveway of of the clinic and I will be silent and I will just, um, um, you know, just be this friendly little face of like, hey, um, you know, and we make mom bags. So we'll we'll uh, hold up mom bags. And so that's our way of getting information to these women. And uh, we just want to be that friendly face um, so that they know if they they um, stop that, hey, this is a person I can communicate with because we know that the abortion industry they're telling the women to avoid the people out there. Um, they're telling them, look how they're acting out there. You know, um, I know sometimes there's um, uh, people that go out and they'll, they're loud or they're, um, 
there. Yeah. It's just a harsh approach and it's just, it, the women will run right into the clinic. And so um, that is my advice. Just be approachable, be that friendly face. Um, one particular woman that I know shared her story. She was 17. She didn't want to have an abortion. And um, she got to the clinic and she saw two women praying and she ran from her car as fast as she could to get to those women. Um, and her baby was saved through that process. And she said they were they look like safe people to her. Um, so that's really what I would say when you're at the clinic to to just be really approachable, um, but also be firm when uh, the women are getting blocked from you, um, be their advocate, stand up for them and be their voice. Um, because we also have that at the abortion clinic too, where people are trying to keep us from the women. And sometimes we have to be bold in that as well. Um, because they need defenders because we don't know why they're there. We don't know what situation they're in. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, also if I could add, um, it's helping me personally because, like I said, I got involved with this, um, the ministry of, si- it's called Sidewalk Servants. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Monique Ribeiro. I know, Bill, you know who she mm-hmm. is. Um, she's a pro-life OBGYN mm-hmm. in the greater Philadelphia area where I'm from. And she invited me and others to be a part of Sidewalk Servants, where we go to uh, a- abortion facilities that are... Um, ones that a lot of abortions are performed. So I go down to Center City, Philadelphia, where there's um, women coming in and out, in and out all all the time. And I'm joined by uh, the person that I work with in the foundation I represent, Mickey Kelly, has been a guest on this show as well. And so when you say things like being approachable and, you know, praying for them too, I think that's so important. I know Mm -hmm. we say rosaries for them and um, we have those little goodie bags, like you said, mm-hmm. that have some great information and even some uh, chocolates and things like that inside the bag. Um, because, you know, we may be the only face that they see that's pro-life, that's encouraging them mm-hmm. to make the other decision, you know, not the decision against life. So um, mm-hmm. I just think that's incredible. I do have a quick story that when my daughters were younger, I have two two daughters in their 20s, and we had a Planned Parenthood in my uh, vicinity, not real close by, but within the, like, say within 10 miles or so, um, 10, 15 miles. And we would go there and pray. And we were on the list with 40 days for life. And eventually it closed. Mm, Praise the Lord. Yeah. So that was a very big thing, you know, when, when it closed and everything Mm -hmm. like that. So uh, I do understand and, and -hmm. you're doing amazing work. So, Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any stories that you can share with us of some of the women that you've met or families that you've met? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, we are a global ministry. I wasn't expecting <laughs> to be a global ministry, but God had other plans for us. And so um, we've been able to help uh, some some women um, around, around the world uh, choose life and be able to help them start uh, get housing and um, start businesses so that they can um, support uh them and the baby. And also, um, recently, um, we had a young lady who was sexually assaulted and she's chose life. So that's amazing. We're, we're excited to be able to walk alongside of her. Um, we also in, 
um, abortion recovery. We recently had someone um, accept Christ in our group, which was awesome. And so we're super excited about that. Um, but yeah, we, we get, um, messages about every single day from women that are either looking for help to recover or, uh, women that are just like, I just need some one person to tell me I can do this. And so it's just been this beautiful journey. Um, you know, what the enemy meant for harm, God has turned into good. And we're just honored to be able to, to walk alongside these women, um, and just love them well. Um, there's just many days that our team will look at each other and we're like, we get to do this. This is what we get to do every single day. And um, it's just so beautiful. Um, But yeah, we're super proud of our moms that have chose life. But also with that said, if um, someone's made the choice to have an abortion, we also meet them with grace and love and we want them to walk through forgiveness and um, be able to, um, be able to uh, walk in the freedom that Christ gives them so that they can share their story. So someone else will choose life. And that's really what our heart is. Um, You know, uh, God is great at writing redemption stories. And um, of course we would love it if, if the women would look at, listen to us in the first place, but we also know that God is a, a God that, that meets us in our brokenness and, and he forgives us and transforms our lives. So. And you're living proof of that. I am. (laughs) I am. (laughs) You are. And how has it been for your husband too? Because, you know, you've been together a long time. So I just (laughs) congratulate you that, you know, you had your, your, your first child. uh, Well, your first child, of course, um, passed away, but your second child, right. And um, you and your husband have been together since you're 16. I mean, it's a long time. So what's it been like for the two of you on this journey? I know, like you said, there were some bumps in the journey, but you're together yeah, and you yeah. have grandchildren now too. <laughs> yeah. So it's been really fun um, to see him walk um, through this, this process. And, and uh, what I love is a lot of times we're traveling to churches and we're speaking and I love looking over at him and just seeing how excited he is to share and talk with people. And uh, it's, you know, we're just loving being on the journey with, with the Lord and and what he's doing. And, um, you know, we don't know what that's going to look like in, in five years from now, you know, um, I don't know if he'll be full-time ministry at that time or not, but right now on the weekends, we're just traveling around speaking and, um, just really pouring into people. And, uh, he, I, like I said, it's, it's been great for him and that transformation that I see and that, um, him speaking into men has been amazing. Mm, wonderful. So how long has she found his grace been in existence? Has it been a year or so? And then also tell us how people can find out more, your website information and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So my story, my story launched in 2019, I believe. And then we became, it became clear that God was doing something. And so we became official um, organization this past summer. So we're heading into a year of being an official nonprofit. Um, and, uh, yeah. So if anybody is looking for help from a past abortion or looking for help, um, 
you know, uh, to choose life, they can find us at shefoundisgrace.org. Um, also, they can get my book there as well. And, um, and one of the things that we like to do for moms, um, because they're all over the United States, um, we do a fun little Amazon baby shower for them. And um, it's just been fun to pour into these these ladies. Um, and they're, they're just blown away by the generosity of people around the country that don't even know them, that would love them and support them and their babies. So yeah, so shefoundisgrace.org is where you find us, find my book and our community groups. And um, if they, if a mom needs assistance. Awesome. Now you mentioned that you're a, like a worldwide, a global um, yeah. ministry. So which countries, I know you, I'm sure you have a lot from the United States. You're in Indiana. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, where else have you gotten some clients through this ministry? Yeah, so we have women in um, we have women in uh, Australia. We have women in um, the UK, um, Uganda, Kenya. Um, where else? Um, uh, Nigeria. Um, yeah, the, just all over the place. It's been crazy to. to to have that connection um, with these ladies. And, you know, when COVID hit and we went online, it's been awesome to be able to get on Zoom calls with them. And and uh, it's just beautiful, the technology um, and, and the reach that, the, that that has given us. So, yeah, I, actually, one of the, the ladies in the UK, um, it was so crazy. She um, had always wanted to be a mom and her boyfriend wanted her to abort. And she wasn't sure how to, um, how she was going to pull it off. And my husband got on a zoom call with her and helped her, uh, go through her budget. And, uh, she said, yeah, I can do this. And one of the beautiful things is when they, um, when their baby girl was born, seeing her, her boyfriend share that it was the best thing that has ever happened to him. And, uh, it was just a beautiful story to be able to be part of that. And here they were located in the UK, but God connected us through, um, yeah, just connected us. So it was beautiful. Yeah, that really is beautiful. It's good to hear, you know, God is using you really. He's using you in amazing ways. And, uh, now you're a grandmother. Tell us about your grandchildren, their ages, and also what that's like for you. Yes, I love being a Nana. It is so fun. So I have a three-year-old granddaughter and then also um, a little two-month-old grandson. And, and so I, I just love it. It's, it's, uh, it's those moments. I always, you know, they always say, um, being a, if they knew, if you knew what it was like to be a grandparent, you would choose that first. And I laugh because there's so much fun and it's such a blessing. So yeah, I just love seeing their hearts and my little granddaughter, when I ask her, where's Jesus? And she'll just say in my heart. And it just blesses me so much to see, see their little personalities and, and uh, yeah, it's a blessing. Yeah. I love to hear that now. Um, what on the topic of children, and I know I've brought this up on a couple of different of our shows, uh, our host Bill is going to be a father. His, uh, <laughs> newborn baby is going to be born in May. So Bill, yes. tell us more, tell us more. Oh, sure. No, it, it's a great joy, um, mm-hmm. you know, to be walking through this, um, process and this beautiful, um, you know, gestational period with my wife. It's just, there's so much joy, um, 
in that process. There's certainly difficulty uh, as well, but uh, but God's God's grace is through it all, and you know, giving us both the strength to uh, you know welcome new life in in the world. I'm I'm so blown away by what God is doing. Um, you know, in in us and in our family, it's, it's just going to be a beautiful and wonderful moment in in our lives to welcome uh, little baby Elvin into our um, mm-hmm. into our into our hearts and homes and 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 into our family, our 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 new uh, growing family. Mm. Congratulations! Yeah, That's you. so exciting. Thank you. thank you. It is. That's right. <laughs> And me as the co-host is pretty excited too. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so good. (laughs) It's all good. good. It's wonderful. Um, So if somebody's listening and they know of someone who's uh, either contemplating abortion or sort of uh, in a difficult situation, uh, what advice can you give them? And and can you help them to find you or find a ministry like yours so that they can get the right help they need? Mm Mm-hmm. So if there's someone that's considering abortion, the first thing you want to do is just meet them with grace and compassion. Um, you want to figure out what their pain point is. What is, uh, you know, abortion is always fear-based. So what is the fear? What is driving them to think um, that the abortion is the only answer? And, uh, you know, if you can meet them in that place and slow their thinking down, um, you know, moms, moms will choose life, you know, we want to meet them before they even get to the abortion clinic. Cause as you know, going to the abortion clinic, once they're there, it's really hard to reach them once they're there. And so we really want to meet them before. Um, we actually have a hotline that, um, people can reach out. They can text us and ask us questions. Um, you can, you can go to our Facebook. Um, she found his grace on our Facebook and, um, find us on there to send us a text. We, we get, we get calls and texts from women all over. Um, and so, you know, we're able to talk with them, um, but just really find out what that need is that they have. And usually they're scared. Um, usually they have a, a boyfriend or a husband that's not very supportive. And so they just need to hear that they can do it. Um, you know, uh, that you can meet their immediate need of, uh, if it's financial, um, whatever it is, and just offering that support. And, uh, if people are, um, uncomfortable, they can send them our way. We're happy to talk with them. And, you know, really our goal is once we talk to them and they choose life, we want to get them plugged into their local crisis pregnancy center because we want them to have that, that support. Um, But also local churches, we would love local churches to walk alongside our ladies um, because we think that's so important for them to have that community um, so yeah, so if they go to our Facebook page, uh, she found his grace or our website, she found his grace.org, um, you know, send us a message and we're happy to navigate, help navigate, navigate through that. Awesome. Yeah, it's totally awesome. And I think one of the most encouraging things about your story is that the beginning of the story is extremely sad. As you said, you, you were impregnated at the age of 13. You did have an abortion. You did have a bad experience. As you said, it was, you know, you learned a lot about what an abortion is. You didn't even know what it was when you went in Mm -hmm. from what you told us. And, um, and when you finished with it, 
you realize that you never, ever wanted to do that ever again. <laughs> and now you have a message to spread to the world that it's not the answer, is it? I mean, no. so are there any more facts about abortion and, and the industry that you want to share with people that they may not know? Um, you know, I think... I think people need to know. I actually, I, I was just at a church this week, weekend um, speaking and I had someone come up to me and they're like, I thought Planned Parenthood helped you plan Planned Parenthood. Like they helped you plan. They had no idea. And, you know, people need to understand that, you know, they are giving girls low doses of, of birth control so that they can sell them abortions. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, if someone chooses abortion, they're going to have a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. A lot of women struggle with um, using alcohol and drugs. They struggle with um, being a parent. And that's pretty classical, pretty classic of post-abortive women. Um, they have a high rate of suicide, um, self-harm, and um, people just need to understand that. Um, the one thing that I would say um, for someone that's considering abortion and they feel like they can't go to their church with an unplanned pregnancy, one, that is a lie. Um, you can go to your church and 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 if you happen to go to your church and someone doesn't respond well, um, you know, it's so important to know your identity and that um, God, God knows he's not taken off off um, guard by that. He's not surprised by that. And um, he's going to write a redemption story. And so, you know, just be firm in protecting your child. And it doesn't matter what other people say. Um, you know, I, I tell people that all the time. It doesn't matter what they say. They don't have to live with the consequences that you'll have to live with. And so, you know, they'll eventually get on board or they won't. And, and that's okay. Um, and I, I also tell people in churches like to change the culture in the church. You know, I had one particular lady who said she walked up on a group of women talking and um, she heard someone say, I can't believe so-and-so is pregnant again. And it planted the, the lie in her head that, that wasn't a safe place to tell that she was pregnant. And so she ended up going from the church pew to the abortion clinic. And we know that one in four women go from the church pew to the abortion clinic. And that's a lot of wounded people in our churches that need healing. Um, and also just a real eye opener that the culture needs to change in our church. And I have um, women who will say um, either, if their pastor or the priest doesn't talk about abortion, they either say um, it must be so bad that we can't talk about it and there's no forgiveness or it must not be that bad so I can go for an abortion. And so we really need to have these discussions about abortion. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And even my own um, experience and in being involved with going and praying in front of this, the abortion centers and, you know, I want to say that it's a very peaceful thing, uh, at least the organization that I'm involved with, the Sidewalk Servants with Dr. Monique Ribeiro and the Pro-Life Union of Greater Philadelphia, mm -hmm. which we've also hosted on Sowing Hope. Mm -hmm. um, they're very, very peaceful organizations that wish to 
let women know that there's a better choice. It's mm -hmm. not about being violent to get them to stop what they're doing. It's just to say to them, you know what, there's another way. And here's some information and we're here for you and mm -hmm. we're praying for you. And you know what? I also want to mention that we hear something like, hey, you care about whether we have an abortion, but once the baby's born, nobody cares. And there couldn't be anything further from the truth because mm -hmm. the organization that I'm affiliated with, the Pro-Life Union of Greater Philadelphia, um, they have all kinds of support uh, and, and ministries that help once that baby is born. Mm -hmm. yep. Ministries that really do help, whether it be to actually provide places for women to stay, clothing, uh, all the items that the baby needs. Um, all of that kind of stuff. So it, it's really incredible. And that's just it. There's lots of resources out there. Um, and women just need to know that if they ask for help, there's help out there. The other thing too, is understanding fetal development. There's so many ladies that don't even understand fetal development. And so the abortion industry will tell them a lie that it's just a clump of cells and it is not a clump of cells. And so just really educating women and young women of, you know, the baby's development so that they understand that it is a life, um, you know, and, and, you know, what I will tell ladies is that, you know, um, most of the women that I know um, wouldn't purposely end a life. They wouldn't purposely do that. And so, you know, they've bought this lie. And of course, that's going to mess you up. That is there, you know, you've ended a life. So you have to think of that, like the consequence of that and um, just really helping them understand, you know, when I'm talking to a woman that's about ready to abort her baby, you know, we, we go into serious conversations of like, this is your baby. This is what your baby looks like. This is, you know, ending a life. This is how it's going to mess you up. And, and just really having those frank conversations so that she understands um, what she's about ready to do. And, and she knows the truth because the abortion industry is not going to tell her the truth. And I, you know, there's women who have made the choice to go have an abortion. It's a botched abortion. And I have to tell them, do not go back to that clinic because they don't care about you. They don't care what happened to you. They got your money. So, you know, for them to really understand the abortion industry and that they really don't care. They just want your money and they're going to send you out the door. Yeah. And the other thing I think, you know, being able to walk through pregnancy um, with my wife too, it highlights exactly what you're just saying. You know, um, you know, not that I've been, you know, anywhere near an abortion clinic with my wife, but the reality is, is that when you're talking about, you know, this is what your baby looks like. This is what your baby is doing right now. Like, like it, it's incredible. Every night we'll sit on the couch, we'll watch some TV. My child will be kicking in her womb. Like mm -hmm. we have, we have 3d photographs of him from the ultrasound. Like mm -hmm. we, we, we know like these things are, you know, Serena, these things are real. Like it's not, you know, two, two human beings don't make frogs when, when, you know, right. you know like, 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 like that's what we, you know, create is another human being. And right. so, and so understanding that and knowing that um, it, you know, at some points it's visceral, at some points it's, 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 
hard to move through pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my wife deal with incredible, um, you know, things, <laughs> morning sickness mm-hmm. along with everything else. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is the creation of a new life. And so, and so mm-hmm. I think you're just being here, you sharing your, your incredible story with us. And it's, it's incredible. I encourage people if they uh, have joined us halfway through or uh, whatever, uh, maybe you're listening to this uh, later, listen to it again, uh, rewind it, uh, listen to it on our podcast feed later, because um, there's so much wisdom in what you're sharing. There's so much beauty um, and, and really redemption. This is a great story for, for us during Lent to recognize that, you know, um, God can take the, the, the brokenness, he can take the pain and, and, and turn it into something completely beautiful to where now you're not only thriving in your own family life, you're not only thriving as a mother and a grandmother, you are also uh, out there now helping others, you know, and, and helping women and men overcome one of the greatest heartaches and heartbreaks that they can have in their life. So just thank you so very much. It is just an honor. Like, we're just so thankful. Um, you know, it was never on our radar, but God had other plans for us. So, no, we're honored to be able to to do this and really, you know, not only have women choose life, but also eternal life. And that really is the beauty in it as well of, of God just meeting them in their brokenness as well. So it is an honor. So, yeah, we love we love to to do it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I will echo that it is an honor. And Bill made a good point. If you caught on to this podcast toward the end, because I know that we were sharing it throughout the show. I know I was on different places on social media. And so if you have not been able to listen to the whole show, I want to tell you how you can go back to the beginning. There's two ways. Number one, you go to YouTube to Patchwork Heart Ministry, and you subscribe and you find the podcast there. It's also on all the different podcasting outlets. And also you can go to Facebook to Fiat Ministry Network and click on like so that you get all their other great videos. And then you can listen to it from the very beginning. So please do that. Um, And our email address is sowinghope at patchworkheart.org. So you can connect with Bill and I. This is the Sewing Hope podcast. And that's what we're all about. We're all about sewing hope into broken hearts, which is mm. what your story really is. And um, I'm so grateful because uh, I think the pro-life movement is one of the greatest things. I couldn't be more honored to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that somebody invited me in the last couple of years to get back in. Because like I said, my daughters and I used to pray years ago when they were little kids um, in front of a Planned Parenthood, but that one closed up. Mm-hmm. But then I got invited to participate in praying in front of another one, which is in the city. Um, and it's a little bit of a sacrifice, but every, it's worth it. It's every, every time I go, even if I don't see somebody turn around, you don't know which heart that will change. And I think just peacefully praying, and I will underline that word peaceful. It's never, ever violent. It's always yes. peaceful. It's always about giving people information. It's always yes. about letting no, them know that there is another choice. That's all it's about. So, mm-hmm. um, so thank you so much for doing amazing work. 
And I would invite you to please do come back again to the Sewing Hope podcast, Serena. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, thank you. I I would be honored to do that. Yes. And and once more before the end of the show, give them your websites and everything that they can contact you because I know those Holy Spirit moments uh, happen. So give, give, Mm -hmm. give out the contact. Yeah. So you can find us on Facebook, uh, She Found His Grace, and also uh, Instagram at She Found His Grace. Uh, our website is shefoundhisgrace.org. Awesome. Awesome. So shefoundhisgrace.org, folks, and also on social media. Uh, so please, um, you know, support, uh, help, uh, know that, you know, uh, you can also receive help as well, right? So um, and, and, and God's grace, um, you know, just covers all. And that's, that's the one lesson I've learned <laughs> and, and grown in knowing tonight. Uh, so I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Serena. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much. God bless you. Yes. You guys as well. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, folks, um, this wraps up another episode of Sowing Hope, but please do go over to our website as well, patchworkheart.org, andysantis.com, and uh, we will make sure that uh, we stay in touch with you. But until next time, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.